The Plant, A Steampunk Story, by Francis Rosenfeld. Chapter 7. One thing was sure, Richard was terrible at hiding the truth, and the last drop of it was pulled out of his tormented psyche despite his efforts. It came out in painful, somewhat inarticulate blobs as Jack attacked the matter from all sides, placing strategic questions at the critical points of the story to eliminate the possibility of any important details being left out. After he squeezed the whole truth out of his friend, like one would get the last glob of toothpaste from an almost empty tube, he seemed content with the results and pondered deep in thought for a while. He had that preoccupied look on his face, the one he got when he was planning something, which was exactly what Richard dreaded. We're not doing anything about this, you hear me, he tried to jump in front of his friend's speeding train of thought, but he knew his efforts were wasted, because once Jack made up his mind, very few things in the universe were capable of changing it. His mother's disapproval was one of them, and Richard grabbed onto that unlikely straw with the despair of a drowning person. Think how upset your mother would be if she found out we broke into the factory at a time like this. We can't do that to her, dude, he told Jack, responsibly. She wouldn't be more upset than your dad. Jack replied, giving his friend a long, probing look. I'm proud of you, Snake. I didn't think you had it in you, man. How long have you been sneaking into the factory? His probing stare continued to poke around in Richard's mind in search of juicy details. Long enough to know that it has become unrecognizable, Jack frowned. I still can't figure out how everything is still working, it's like the plant is smart enough to avoid interfering with any of the vital components. You think it does that on purpose? Jack grabbed onto the possibility. No, Richard thought about it for a second. No, it can't be. There must be something else, something more basic. Maybe it instinctively shields its food or water sources, he postulated. Or its environment. What if it needs the steam pressure and high temperature to survive? Jack replied. Then we won't be able to grow it anywhere else if they rip it out of the pipes, Richard got sad all of a sudden. We can't let them kill it, Jack, we need to find a way to protect it. How? Didn't you say the committee was evaluating what it would take to cut it out? Jack said. Maybe if we can find a way to make it useful, you know. Productive. Maybe then they'll consider keeping it, Richard thought out loud. You said it was hot, Jack reminded him of the slip of the tongue that opened the door to the entire story. And that most of the extra power capacity is coming from the heat recovery cycle. What if we can make it generate more? More heat. It already feels like a jungle in there, whatever extra energy we can make it generate is going to end up being used to cool the place down, Richard disagreed. What if it makes more energy without generating heat? Jack offered. Any suggestions on how, his friend asked. Not really. That's your turf man. Can't you think something up? Make it turn up more metal, or something. I don't know, Jack, Richard said. Do you think it breeds steam? Jack asked. In a way, maybe, like the cloud forest, only at high heat and pressure. It's still strange that they think it is hard to remove, didn't you say it doesn't cling to the pipes at all? Jack quizzed his friend. It doesn't, it's like it's held up by skyhooks or something, Richard confirmed, and the alien intervention possibility raised its ugly head again in Jack's mind, triggered by this oddity. It's got to be extraterrestrial, I tell you, he tried again to convince his friend. You can deny it all you want, but stuff like this doesn't just happen on Earth, not by itself, anyway. It doesn't matter now, it's already here, and we have to deal with it, Jack corrected him. Maybe it's for the best if they manage to rip it out, he said, unconvinced. Are you kidding?
Kill off a plant that grows cable wire. You'd have to be out of your mind. Jack protested outraged. Did you find out anything about what kind of plant it is? It looks like every weed I never gave a second look to could be a variety of different species, none of them in any way related. You'd be surprised how many completely different plants look exactly the same. How botanists tell them apart it's beyond me. Richard replied. Anything at all that they have in common? Jack insisted. Well, they are all vines, but that's because I only looked up vines, since it is a vine, Richard explained his logic. What else is friend pressed? Not much. Some are epiphytes, the majority are not, he continued. So there is a good chance that this plant has roots somewhere in the underground portion of the system, Jack continued his train of thought. He saw his friend's surprised look and protested. Don't look so flabbergasted, I took biology too, I know what an epiphyte is, you jackass. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It can go either way, Richard clarified. What else? I didn't see any fruit or flowers on it. I don't know whether this is because it's not old enough to have them or because it doesn't need them, he continued his explanation. Does that help us in any way with convincing people to keep it alive? Jack returned to his original concern. Not that I can think of, Richard conceded. Keep moving then. What would help us convince people not to rip it out? Jack insisted, and Richard just realized he was staring at his friend's next project, the self-guarding of the plant, an endeavor that Jack wasn't willing to let go of if his life depended on it. You really care about it, don't you? He asked, surprised. Don't you? This plant is extraordinary, the grown-ups are crazy. It's like throwing away the Mona Lisa because it takes up too much space. Jack protested. When do I get to see it, he said, eyes shining. Richard sighed, resigned. He knew that trying to convince his friend to abandon the prospect of a factory visit was a waste of his time. Next Saturday, probably. I swear to you, dude, if you get me in trouble this time, I'll never speak to you again, he threatened, very serious. Scout's honor. Jack swore and raised his hand to seal his vow. The look on his face didn't do much to reassure Richard, but he comforted himself with the thought that if Jack didn't care enough about getting caught, he cared enough about the well-being of the plant to be on his best behavior. The next Saturday they took the cobblestone path together to the factory, barely scraped through the hole in the fence, widening it in the process because not everybody in the exploration team had Richard's contortionist body and reached the factory floor, which by this time looked so much like a rainforest that one had to search really hard to find the bones of the main distribution manifold. All the way, Jack held his tongue in protest of the fact that his best friend, the one he had always shared his every thought and aspiration with, decided to short-shift him in the pursuit of such an exciting endeavor. By the time they got to the factory, he was furious and he had decided to express that emotion with dignified silence while seething with resentment at the same time. Well, this is it, Richard said, modestly, upon reaching his, up until now, exclusive secret kingdom. Well. Jack couldn't help himself, in spite of his anger, dazzled by the sight of this extraordinary metal forest, all shimmering green, copper and silver in the morning sunshine. You should have seen it before. Richard replied, surprising himself with the realization that he missed the way his perfect little kingdom looked before, when every purpose was planned and everything was in its place. It used to be brighter, too, before the lush metal foliage filtered the light, turning it green and gold, and tamed, like the entrails of a forest. There used to be so much light in here. What are you talking about, dude? This is awesome. Do these really feel like metal? 
Ah. Jack exclaimed, surprised to find out, upon touching one of the leaves, that they were really hot. You're right, man, we can't make this stuff any hotter than it already is, we'll fry ourselves. Can we cut up a piece of stem with leaves to take with? Last time I tried, I wasn't able to. I didn't want to use power tools out of concern that somebody around might hear me. What on earth are you doing? Richard jumped, stunned by the casual way in which his friend took liberties with the factory equipment. Nonsense. Jack replied, grabbing a saw and making Richard instantly regret his decision to bring him along. By the time the latter had regained enough of his wits to reply, are you out of your godforsaken mind? Jack had already finished his task and emerged triumphant from a profusion of radiant leaves with a piece of stem in his hand. The stem was hot and he kept transferring it from one hand to the other, like a baked potato, to keep from burning himself. I wonder how long it takes for this thing to cool down, Jack pondered. Okay, now that you got that, let's get out of here, Richard tried to get Jack out of the factory as soon as feasible in order to avoid another disaster. What are you crazy? We just got here. Show me it. Jack objected, peeved, so Richard had to give his friend the tour, relieved that he was able to keep an eye on him the entire time and explain the many sections and parts of the equipment assembly with the ease of an expert. So, you're saying that all of this runs at 120% capacity now, Jack commented. Actually, I think it is closer to 125, Richard replied. And it's all due to the recovered heat, Jack tried to understand. I don't get it, dude. It's really not that hot, he spoke aloud the doubt that had plagued Richard's mind from the moment he heard the heat recovery cycle theory. It's got to be something else. Like what? Richard retorted. I don't know, Jack said. A few minutes later Richard managed to rush Jack out of the building, after a brief fight to convince him that it was getting very late and they really had to get back home, but his worry wasn't warranted, because by the time they got back, their parents were gone to another one of those town hall meetings, one that the boys decided to skip, for a change. Instead, they made their way to the library, to examine the new evidence in peace. The plant was still warm to the touch half an hour later, and it made Jack's hand tingle in a way that reminded him of the time when he touched a battery with his tongue. This thing is charged, he exclaimed, way too loud for Richard's taste and the opinion of the librarians, who gave him a stern look. It is, he continued, in a whisper, but with the same level of intensity. To demonstrate, he placed the piece of stem on a metal shelf. Instead of laying down neatly on its surface, the plant hovered over it, about half an inch up. Wrong section, Richard replied, unperturbed, staring at his manuals on thermodynamics and got up to find some research material on electricity and magnetism. Would you stop it with the darn books? You haven't even looked at it. Jack protested, unable to take his eyes off of the magical floating plant, which was defying gravity under their very eyes. It's a field, Richard commented, just to say something. Duh. Jack mocked, gently guiding the plant over the surface of the shelf, with his cupped palms, like one would push a moving seaweed under the surface of the ocean. Still think it might be okay to get rid of it, he returned a beaming smile to Richard, who was more impressed than he wanted to show. What are you two doing here? A stunned librarian protested from behind, in disbelief of what she had just seen. We're practicing our magic tricks, Jack explained, smiling very sure of himself and continued without skipping a beat. See, he demonstrated a few passes over the table to the bewildered librarian, to show how he could magnetize the floating stem. The plant graciously obliged. How are you doing this? The librarian laughed, curious. 
It's a secret, Jack smiled, with an innocent look in his eyes that instantly secured her empathy. A magician never reveals his tricks, he justified himself. Don't take too long with that boys, the library closes in 15 minutes, the librarian smiled and left them alone. That one was way too close, Jack. Richard breathed a deep sigh of relief after she left. Thank goodness you're good at improv. Live and learn, my friend, live and learn. Jack replied, unfazed, still mesmerized by the unbelievable floating plant. Where were we? I need to find a couple of books before the library closes, I'll look through them tonight and see if I can figure out what makes this plant hover, Richard excused himself. Knock yourself out. Jack dismissed him and continued staring at the floating plant with almost religious awe. 